Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Araja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And if you're not already, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much. It's, look, for a week that uh, that lost, in my opinion, what was the biggest game of the weekend, Baylor-Houston, it actually mm-hmm. ended up being a, a pretty fun weekend. Yeah, I'd say you got like I'd say we learned a lot about certain teams. Um, some teams probably learned a little too much about their deficits um, or about their deficiencies. But I'd say overall, I think I came away knowing a lot more about a lot of these teams. Yeah, it, it definitely is funny uh, having to do all this while like all these other sports are going on right now, right? Right. <laughs> because like I'm not like a huge hockey guy, but you know, if it was if it was any other week, I'd probably try and watch the stars in the stanley cup but it was just no sure. th- no way like Can't i mean i have like uh the the nba uh conference finals on my phone while like mm-hmm. i had utep on my ipad and you know had <laughs> texas state on my tv like this is a this is ugh. i i know that it's fun um to have all the sports going on at the same time but man at a, at a certain point like i can only watch so many things at the same time right but, um, and, and by the way, one game that we won't talk about, did you see the end of that Louisiana Tech-Southern Miss game? I saw people on Twitter talking about it. I didn't catch it myself. What exactly was going on in that game? So, so basically the deal was, uh, Louisiana Tech, which won, uh, you know, which won 10 games last year and they lost a lot, but right. you know, this is, this is a very good program was playing mm-hmm. against Southern Miss, who had Scotty Walden, uh, who, by the way, keep an eye on her website. In the next couple of weeks, you might see something about him. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's the youngest coach now in uh, in FBS, right? He's 30 mm-hmm. years old because they fired Jay Hobson. Um, so so Southern Miss was up, I think it was 30 to 24. And, uh, and Louisiana Tech has fourth and goal with 11 seconds left. <laughs> with 11 seconds left. And... Their quarterback scrambles, literally looks like he can walk it into the end zone, right? Like, mm-hmm. like probably should have walked it into the end zone, but instead he chucks it to the back of the back of the end zone. Instead, it looks like the receiver doesn't get his foot down. It turns out he does get his foot down, and there's like a there's like a seven minute review of this play where we're all just oh. sitting there like, oh my god, did Southern Miss just <laughs> win or lose? <laughs> because Jeez. again. If if his foot was halfway out of the back of the end zone, then uh, it would have been a turnover on downs, and Southern Miss would have won. So, right. wow, poor Southern Miss, but a lot of a lot of good things from them in their in their first game, I think. So, um, but man, it's again, it's just like there's all this stuff going on at the same time, and like, and all these games were like pretty good and pretty close too. So it was man, it was it was quite a time. It was quite a time, but. Um, <laughs> Let's let's go ahead. Also, and, well, we're not, well yeah. I was gonna say we're not gonna mention this game either. But how about uh, how about Derek King? Whew. Oh, and how about man. Rhett Lashley? Rhett Lashley and Derek King, a match made in heaven. We'll see what they do uh, as far as uh, next season's concerned. Because obviously, Derek King could come back if he wanted to. Right. Um, and you know, I don't I don't know if he will. But you know, if, if who knows, man, this is this is fun. Like two games in, Miami looks really good. Yeah, and I mean. <laughs> Uh, so Alex Kirshner on Twitter has created a thread uh, where he he says, 
I know that football is really complicated, so we're gonna we're gonna explain it to you guys, right? And so then, and it's just him pointing out the wide open guy on every single play. <laughs> right. It's like the so, ball's going to him. <laughs> so if you didn't see this game, basically what happened, right, is that uh, I think that they had a formation where they had like trips left or something like that, and then like mm-hmm. one in the backfield and the tight end, right? And so Derek King motions like he's about to quarterback draw it and obviously it's Derek King like Louisville's mm-hmm. defense just is like oh god oh god right yeah the running back goes out on a wheel route and is it's the most open receiver that's ever existed yeah. in the history of football <laughs> like it was unbelievable like nobody even got into the frame before he got into the end zone it was yeah. it was crazy just absolutely two, crazy through two games uh, against UAB it was 16 and 24 for 144 but 83 yards on the ground uh, then against Louisville, 18 to 30 for 325, three three touchdowns, no picks. Whew, Derek King man. can play football still. The dude's good, man. The dude is yep. is real, real good. So uh, you know, we'll we'll definitely be following him closely. You know, as the season oh, yeah. goes along, we're big fans of both uh, Derek King and Rhett Lashley on this program. So definitely. it'll be it, they'll be our ACC team, let's say. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so some breaking news actually right before we jumped on the on and started recording is that Texas A&M linebacker Anthony Hines who is mm-hmm. one of the top defenders on that team uh will be will be opting out of the 2020 season um again only 6 days to play until Texas A&M's first game against Vanderbilt um look i i think that it is my opinion and i i think it's your opinion too that if a kid decides that he doesn't want to you know put himself in harm's way during all of this that's mm-hmm. absolutely you know their decision and, and a good decision but man the timing of this is weird it's very weird um which makes you wonder like if the season would have started would he have you know it was something that i don't know is it something that the immediacy of the season kind of accelerated where it was like oh man we're playing in six days and i'm just not getting right right and so like if the maybe if like the sec if they had a regular schedule and they were playing you know a week earlier or something he, he might have come to that conclusion sooner or is it something or did something else happen in the meantime right because he is citing covid and social kind of the social reasons that a lot of players have decided to opt out or a lot of players you know said they couldn't focus on the season and so he is citing things that have existed yeah. in recent in recent time in recent uh weeks but it, yeah, like you said, the timing of it is a little interesting. Yeah, and he he does note that he feels like that in his statement he says that he thinks that it's difficult to be a hundred percent locked into the game of football, right? Sure, and, sure, sure. And uh, yeah, no, I I get it, <laughs> I yeah. totally get it. And and I think you're right. You know, maybe this is just a situation where he thought that he'd get over that hump. He thought that it would feel normal, and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, six days out, he's like, I'm not locked in at all. <laughs> right, 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 and. Look, I mean, so, you know, for for Anthony Hines himself, you know, best of luck. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. unclear at this point whether he's going to start training for the draft. I, I think that it appears that he's going to try to come back next year. That's that's what it seems like based on his wording. That seems like the right move for him. Yeah. And I think his stock isn't quite as high as maybe he wants it to be. No, 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 no. And I mean, because he was he was injury prone his his second season uh, on mm-hmm. campus because he, he played low as a sophomore, got hurt. Um, then last year, you know, he kind of he played a bigger role. He played well. But like, I mean, it's still kind of one season of tape and it was, you know, an OK season of tape. Yeah, I, and I, I do I do think that he has more within him, you know, so sure. I, I you know, I mean, in a situation like this, the, the tough thing about all of this is that 
if you do sit out one year, right? If you if you sit out one year and then come back, one mm-hmm. of the tough things about it is like, like how do you reestablish where you were? You know, because sure, so- sure. somebody else is going to get a chance to play a whole season, and you're probably not going to not not that you're not going to, but it's going to be no guarantee that you're going to earn a starting job back if you do come back next year. You right. know. And, like, I mean, that also puts the coaching staff in a situation because it's like, okay, well, you know, obviously you respect everything Anthony Hines stood for and has and is choosing to stand for and, you know, respect his, his, his cautiousness as far as health reasons are concerned. But also you're like, well, this other guy also busted his butt for a season for us, you know? Sure. Like, <laughs> and so that there, there creates that conflict where you're like, you don't want to disrespect Hines' wishes to obviously take his health into uh you know take his level of uh his health level of seriousness but you also don't want to disrespect the guy who you rolled out there and who was willing to go and who might have you know who might have maybe pushed past heinz capabilities or what you were looking for at that position you never know um it's that's going to be really interesting to see um which is why i want i want like i wouldn't be surprised if heinz decided to move on because maybe he might see that conversation kind of going that way or maybe like you know, if camp starts back up or whatever, and he sees the conversation kind of shifting towards the other guy, like it wouldn't stun me. Yeah, um, and, and but, I mean, you know, he also would, could grad transfer most likely too. You know, that would be a possibility too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, you know, it's it's weird timing, but but look again, like like I said at the beginning, if there is literally you know one second where you question whether you feel like you're ready to play football at the highest level uh, mm-hmm. heading into this year, you know what, man, like. There's no reason to, to push it. There's no reason to rush it. Um, so, you know, best of luck to him. And sure. uh, But it, it is also interesting. You know, I think these are very different situations. But, you know, you lose Anthony Hines. You know, a few weeks ago you lose uh, Jamin Osborne. And, mm-hmm. you know, who's really your, in a lot of ways, your offensive senior leader. And yep. he, you know, and, and that one I'd say is, I, I don't want to call it concerning. Because I think that, you know, again, guys, guys have to make decisions. But... I think that that one, you know, because we didn't really talk about that one on on the program, that one was a little more surprising to me. And it also seemed a little, I don't want to call it less amicable, but like, it seemed like he was kind of like, I'm done with this. Yeah, a little bit, um, which makes you kind of, yeah, I don't know. That one is a little bit more interesting, I think. He never gave like, I don't know. I don't think there was a, was there as, as succinct of a statement as, as Hines gave? He he did give a, a statement. It's a okay. it's a little bit shorter. He just said that he's decided to use his last year to opt out and prepare for the uh, NFL. And I mean, right. it, and I mean, like you know, he said all the requisite nice things about his his teammates and all that. But, sure, sure, um, sure. You know, and and so you know, you just don't know the situation. And obviously, like, it's just such a bad situation for everybody this year. Like, mm-hmm. and and that ultimately is why you know, these guys are going to get another year if they wish, uh, you know, after all this is because this year kind of sucks so bad, but, right. but, you know, I mean, um, we were kind of talking about it in, in our, in our work slack, but like, is there a team that has, you know, especially in the state, but really anywhere that's been kind of screwed by all of this as Texas A&M because a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, rather, you know, when we were putting together the magazine, we're like, this is potentially a 10 win <sighs> team. 
And yeah. now things are kind of. I don't want to. I, I don't want to like overreact and say that things are falling apart by any means. But you know, they're sure, just in a worse was, position. Right. Their schedule fit right. Their what, what they had coming back fit right. And now it's like okay, well, their schedule is vastly different. The players. I don't want to say their roster is vastly different, but they just they do lose uh, key players. And so it's like okay, how does that factor in? And yeah, it 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 seemed much more nailed on to be a successful season to some sense and you know there could be it could be a success but it's definitely not looking like the what we thought it was in january yeah it won't be sort of a statement season for them i think we'd right say. we thought this was like yeah this is we thought this is them riding the ship and really a a a statement of where this program is headed under jimbo fisher yeah and and granted like that could now happen in 2021 because like Kalamon yeah. could come back, you know, everybody could come back, basically, like, you'll get your, you know, your your uh, freshman receivers will be sophomores, for example, because, like, because mm. that's, that's one of the big questions on this roster, is that these receivers are young, yeah. <laughs> real, real young, but, um, but you know, and that the reason that this was a culmination year, too, was obviously because your tackles are seniors, your quarterback's a senior, you know, so you felt like this was kind of it, but that is the thing, right, is that, okay, now all those guys potentially come back in 2021, so, you know, I, I don't want to, like, sit here and pretend that this is, like, some disaster for the future of Texas A&M right, or anything right, like right. that. But for 2020 specifically, it's going to be a weird year. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and move on. So uh, we're going to go through our college power poll. So at this point, we're only ranking teams that have played so far. So there's only going to be seven teams like there was last week. Uh, four teams will add, add to the list next week. Still waiting to see whether uh, the Rice Owls are going to play a football game this year, but <laughs> but we'll at least have um, we'll at least have these eleven to start. But we're going to start at the bottom, uh, and at the bottom we got Texas Tech. So Texas Tech did not play this week, mm-hmm. um, and and you know they didn't do anything wrong, right? Like, but right. but last week they have a tight win over an FCS program. And you know what? Uh, when it comes to number 16, at least they have two tight wins over SBS programs. <laughs> fair enough. You know what? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So the UTEP Miners, they go and beat Abilene Christian 17 to 13. And I mean, to their credit, like, I do think that UTEP played even a little better than that score indicates. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it was it was definitely a competitive game. I mean, Abilene Christian actually kind of punched them in the mouth, took a 7-0 lead to start. But... Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of the same deal as the SFA game, where they went down, and then it was like, okay, we're going to start playing football now. Right, and, right. It was like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, and actually, will, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I will say, Gavin Hardison looked a lot better in this game. He looked a lot more composed. He, he A lot of his throws looked a little looked more confident, definitely. Yes, um, yes. He definitely looked like he realized who his guys were. Um, you know, Jacob Cowing finished with eight catches for 110 yards, and... He just looked a lot more poised in the poised in the pocket. He, the you know the the blocking was better. Obviously, playing ACU helps, yes, but yes. Uh, blocking was better. He was able to step up into a few throws. Like when the pocket did break down, he just looked a lot more composed uh, than in previous weeks. Even against um, oh god, who did they play? SFA uh, in yeah, week one. Yeah. So yeah, well, and and so I, I believe he started the game because uh, he he started real cold to start the game i think that he was yeah. one of seven to start the game but then he completed 14 of 18 passes to end the game so like mm-hmm. look i mean we're t- you know the last two years we've been talking about kai loxley right like kai yeah. loxley who's a guy who's going to complete like 40 percent of his passes right so right. and and also a guy i mean <laughs> i was joking about this with uh with our good friend adrian Broadus, uh, but like we haven't seen like 
a legit deep ball at UTEP in oh, man. <laughs> several years. Several right, years. Right, right. You know, and and so uh, obviously Hardison and, and uh, Jacob Cowing completed, I think, two deep balls actually on separate occasions. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, Justin Garrett even had a, a deep ball as well. Like, you know, so it's spreading out the defense in a way that we haven't seen at UTEP in, in several years. So I do think that there's definitely bright spots to take away from this game. And like, like you said, I mean, it's it's Abilene Christian. We don't need to, like, sit here and overreact to it. But, like, Abilene Christian is a better football team than SFA is. And UTEP was still able to kind of, uh, you know, was generally able to put them away. Like, again, I know that the score ended up being 17-13. to 13, But, like, UTEP, UTEP sort of ran this game from, from beginning to end. And, look... Uh, two years ago, it was a 30-10 to 10 loss to an FCS team. Last year, <laughs> it was a two-point win over an FCS team. And you know what? This time, you got a, a couple of uh, one- and two-score wins over FCS teams. So you know right. what? We're heading somewhere. So so I, I can, can I pop off for a second yes, on yes. ACU? You have the ball in UTEP territory Yeah, with this is five bad. minutes to go. This is bad. This is bad. On the road... Down a touchdown, and you kick a field goal. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I'm watching the game, and you know ACU hadn't moved the ball right. They were like, it was, UTEP, UTEP's defense was doing really, really well. Yes. I believe they hadn't had a touchdown since like the first half, basically. And and then yeah, and so then then they get. I'm trying to look at. The, I'm trying to break up the drive chart right now to see exactly where it is. Okay, here it is. So. They get the ball at their own 33. Mansell completes a 43-yard pass to get inside the red zone. Right. Then they go rush for one yard, sack for a loss of seven, false start, rush for six. So it's th- so I get it, right? It's fourth and long. You got it. What do you do? Like, it's fourth and long. What do you – I don't know. Like, it, you might as well just go for it, in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion. Like well, you're, because because you're asking your defense to stop UTEP again, right? Because that that was the other thing. It was a fourth and short that they got him stopped on. Turn right. you know, turn the ball over on downs, and then they started to move from there. And looking at their drive chart, since that, let's see, ACU's last touchdown came in the first quarter, and punt, turnover on downs, fumble, punt, punt, field goal, punt. And then you finally get in the red zone and you kick another field goal. Right. Like, it's a, come on, you're ACU, you're on the road. I don't care if it's fourth and long. Like, you're in the red zone or you <laughs> right. were in the red try zone. It, like, right. try to go for something. And yeah. then they don't get the ball back. Long story short. <laughs> right. Because, like, two things. First of all, they, they played this game like they were down two scores, right? Because, <laughs> right. because like, kicking a field goal did nothing for you, right? Like, right. yeah. Like I mean, okay, maybe you get the ball back and you have a chance to win, but like, you're trying to you're trying to like not lose this game first, right? Like right. <laughs> before we can even have that conversation. And the the other thing that's kind of funny about this is that, and we saw some of this in the SFA game too, is that Abilene Christian played this this game and played that possession like this is just like a conference opponent right like this is like a team that they you know that they're they expect to beat, right like that they know that they can get a stop they know they can get the ball back and go down the field and score and it's like 
that is tremendous disrespect to UTEP. Right. UTEP's UTEP's last four possessions, time of possession, two minutes, seven minutes, four minutes, five minutes. Like, they were holding on to the ball. You weren't stopping them. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So, yeah, it was was definitely definitely an interesting decision. It was good for UTEP, but I was like, ACU, come on, you got to have more ambition (laughs) than that. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, right, like, I mean, sure, maybe you glance at this score and you're like, wow, 17-13, that was a really close game. But, like, I don't know. I think that 17-10 still feels like a pretty good situation, yeah, you know? like right. It's like, do you, like, you What know, was the know. line? Does anybody know? <laughs> I, God, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that's that's enough uh, That's enough UTEP ACU talk. But, um, yeah. okay. So, number five, uh just a disastrous performance the nortex mean green oh um, my gosh the final score was 65 to 35 and it was nowhere near that close like <sighs> nowhere near that close it's, yeah so i didn't see ooh. any of this game what you're gonna have to take because i the, the moment i was gonna change over it was 21 nothing in the first quarter and i was like ah, yeah. i don't need to see this so so basically what happened was smu in the first quarter decided that shane Bouchel was gonna prove he was the best player on the field mm-hmm. and he did <laughs> And in the second half, Ulysses Bendley, the redshirt freshman running back, decided he was going to show he's the best player on the field. And he did. (laughs) I will say, uh, it is in very important context that that North Texas was missing both of their starting linebackers. Uh, Yeah, so so when you talk about them just completely being unable to stop the run and also needing to, like, bring safeties and run support and all that sort of stuff, like, that Mm -hmm. matters, right? Like, the defense probably isn't actually as bad as what it looks like right but boy oh boy did it look bad oh geez and i guess like i mean that solves all the questions we had about smu like we're good (laughs) they're still really good yeah and the thing is right like the score was 34 to 7 at halftime like this was not even as this was not even as competitive as sixty five thirty five looks. And right. this wasn't an indication of like North Texas getting punched in the mouth and kind of wake half waking up a little bit to right. make it a little bit closer. But right, it, it's 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 oh man, it was it was really bad. And so the other thing too, because uh, and and I kind of wrote about this in in my five things we learned piece is that everything that I thought that we learned about North Texas in week one playing against uh, Houston Baptist, like everything was the opposite this game because yeah, I saw Austin Ani played. <laughs> yeah. A lot so, more. so basically the deal, right. Is that, um, you know, not, not to go too deep into the scouting report of their quarterbacks, but you know, yeah, so yeah. Jason Bean against Houston Baptist, um, when his receivers got separation, I mean, he delivered it, right? Like he was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he was able to put air under the ball. He was able to, to put it in situations where only they could get it. But it was obvious in this game, right? Because, uh, you know, and and one person who I who I was talking to on Twitter kind of pointed this out. So SMU was spying uh, Jason Bean with their linebacker, right? So that mm-hmm. he wasn't able to scramble as easily. And it was just so obvious how critical it was that SMU was able to man up their receivers, right? Like, they, they mm-hmm. needed a little bit of safety help. but And, like, Jalen Darden's a, you know, legit NFL-type guy. But, uh, but you know, they were able to man up their receivers. And yeah. when that happened and when they were able to bring safeties and run support and when they were able to spy, it just, like, Jason Bean could not throw guys open. He could not mm-hmm. throw into windows. He could not... You know, again, because because a lot of a lot of football, especially when you're playing at a high level, is this guy is covered, but there's an opening, and gotcha. that's not a throw that Jason Bean 
made with any regularity. And Austinani came in the game, and he was able to make some of those throws. Now, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wasn't tremendous by any means, but, uh, but you know, he... So I guess the the comparison that I kind of make right is like Jason Bean can do a lot of things. Like he has the arm to to be able to do a lot of things, but he's still kind of he's still kind of in that phase where he's a thrower more than a quarterback. And mm-hmm. um, you know, and and I think that certainly, I mean, he's what a sophomore. Like he has plenty of time to grow into that. But um, right. but you know, Asanani looks far more refined at this mm. point. So interesting. And, and last week, you know, against uh, against two, or two weeks ago, rather against Houston Baptist, like that wasn't a big deal. That wasn't an issue right. that that you need right. to create separation for your receivers. So, I mean, again, that not that we need to go too deep into you know the, the differences between quarterbacks and UNT's depth chart, but um, yeah. but you know that was something that we really saw, I think. And and you know, again, when they were able to to kind of take away the passing game uh, by playing man, you know, it, it it sort of put their rushers in big trouble too. So. Yeah, it was it was just a brutal game, and um, and SMU's receivers were just so much better than everybody in North <laughs> Texas had depending them. Uh, it yeah. Turns out, yeah, it turns out there's still a gulf. There's still yeah, a gulf. There's still between a gulf. Those. And granted, there's a gulf between SMU and a lot of uh, group of yes. five teams. Yes, 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 yes. And and that's the thing, right? Is like I'm also, you know, I said I'm not overreacting to SMU after week one. I'm not overreacting to Nortex after week three. Like, I don't think that they're goners by any means. I think that, I think that SMU legitimately just is really, really good again. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and yeah, I, I do want to talk for a second about, um, man, so, so obviously they lose Xavier Jones to the NFL. Um, and we kind of wonder what they've got at running back. We saw TJ McDaniel last year against Sex State. And, and in the opener, TJ McDaniel rushed for 130 yards and looked really good. You know, he looked kind of like a workhorse guy. And Ulysses Bentley was just overwhelmingly, you know, in the second half, the best player on the field. He rushed for over 230 yeah. yards and three touchdowns, I believe. Yeah, 227. I'm looking at it right now. That is yeah. good. God, <laughs> he's just one of those. Uh, he's one of those rushers. And sometimes with these rushers, you you worry that like when they get hit, they're gonna have trouble. But he's just one of those rushers who, when he gets the ball, like his feet are moving so quickly. You know, he's mm-hmm. just he's just one of those who has that like crazy acceleration. And, um, you know, so like there was a 75 yard touchdown that he had, he just kind of burst through the line and nobody caught him. Right. Like he just, yeah. he just explodes out and it is kind of, it is, I think for, for, uh, SMU, like, again, they lost a legit, you know, maybe the best running back in the state last year, but, um, but you know, they have two guys now that I think are different enough styles that they kind of complement each other. I mean, it's, it was really, it was really impressive to see. And I think that for them having, sort of those divergent options kind of more of the you know the power uh the power back with breakaway speed and tj mcdaniel mixed with sort of the crazy fast you know explosive ulysses bentley man they they have a mm-hmm. very special offense definitely so number four uh we get to talk about them the texas state bobcats oh my goodness <laughs> i'm just gonna let you go i'm gonna let you go first first time since 2015 beating ulm 38 17 uh, basically a wire to wire completion. Or oh, I mean, wire to wire in the sense that they they led they led the whole game. They controlled yes. the whole game. Uh, second half they tailed off a bit. I think both teams kind of put it in cruise control. But um, yeah, thirty eight seventeen. Wow, that was basically everything I'd hoped to see from this team against ULM. And um, I'd been kind of waiting for this performance against ULM because I mentioned last week that. They've kind of been roughly in the same spot, but you would imagine Texas State has a higher ceiling than ULM does. 
Um, but ULM's always won the past like four or five years. And right, right. This year was the year where I was like, okay, come on. Like, you clearly are more talented than you've been in the past. ULM's rebuilding. They don't have Caleb Evans anymore. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. Tyler Vitt looked a lot better. Um, it turns out when he realizes he has dangerous receivers like J- Jeremiah Haydell and uh, Jamari Sharid and, and Marcel Barbie, like, he's more confident in his throws. And he was able to run a lot too. I mean, eleven yard, eleven carries on or for eighty-two yards. Uh, finished fourteen to twenty-one, two fifty-six. Like he looked really good, and he realizes, hey, I got dangerous receivers now. I can just let them work, get them the ball in space, and just let them do their thing. And because that's exactly what they did. Haydell finished with six catches for one hundred and fifty-two yards. Uh, one of them was a seventy-five yard burner where he just kind of just cut across the entire field. Like he looks dangerous. Um, so far, long story short, so far MVP of the season, Jacob Peeler. <laughs> Listen, uh, when you hire an offensive coordinator whose Twitter handle is Nasty Wideouts, um, you better bring some nasty wideouts out of it. <laughs> better bring some nasty wideouts. I was I was perfectly ready to call him out this year if, if his wideouts sure. were not nasty, sure. but but boy oh boy are his are his wideouts nasty. So there was some like Jeremiah Hano, <laughs> he should be on Sports Center top ten again, like for a third yeah. straight week. He yeah. He his breakout has been so much fun. He when he was coming out of I think Aleph Hastings, I can't remember exactly where he was. Uh Aleph Taylor. Taylor, okay. Um when he was coming out of there, I remember on signing day and like, you know, the when Withers was Withers staff was recruiting him, he was like, This kid's a game breaker, this kid's X, Y, and Z, and this kid has so much speed and and like he never got to see it, right? You were like, no. is it there? Like, I don't know. Like he can kind of do some things. He's had some good catches, but now, ah, man, he just needed the magic touch of the of the Peeler staff, and he's he's uh <laughs> he's gotten it, man. This this should be a big year. I'm I'm excited for him. Yeah, you know, and I'll, so so I'll ask this, right? So mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Vitt has two really good games under his belt. Um, yeah. so now what? <laughs> yeah, I still, th- man, it's weird, right? I still think McBride's the guy. Yeah, but. It is a lot because, and obviously, Spavadol sees him mostly in practice and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you are still, get, you know, waging a lot on like a semi good performance against SMU. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it, I do think, I mean, I think anybody who saw him play, right, he is a more natural thrower. Vid has a little bit more of a wind up, you know, slower. It's a lot more dialed in when you can kind of read where he's going with the ball a lot of the times. But. I mean, Vitt's produced, and it's hard to it's hard to say what more Vitt could have done. Um, Nothing. Well, win, yeah, win the it, game. Win the game. Yeah, right, right, right. He could he could have beaten but, UTSA, right? He could have beaten right. UTSA, of course. But um, outside of that, like, it's hard to say what else Vitt could have done to win the job. And and you know, I'm not necessarily saying that Vitt's earned the job, but I, I definitely think he's. It's hard to say he's lost the job. Well, and. You know, one thing that was interesting, just, you know, watching a lot of Tyler Vitt these last three years, which, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a lot of us in America that can say that, but, um, <laughs> right. but you Probably know. Kev Chardello and, and Drew King, and that's about it. <laughs> and us. Uh, but, right. uh, you know, so so one thing watching Vitt, right, is that he's always been so conservative with the ball, right? And right. It's and you know with those things, um, you know, especially with uh, with Bob Stitt as coordinator, like I know that Bob Stitt does a lot of east to west like i know mm-hmm. that's part of his deal 
it's been such a revelation to see the whole offense really challenge down the field. It just stretches the right. game. It's uh, you know, it changes the the geometry of the field. It opens things mm-hmm. up for everybody else. Like it's been such a difference to see them go downfield. And you know, from that perspective, I don't know. It's it's just it's I'm curious. Like I mean, I, I guess really more than anything, like you just look back at last year and you're like, man, why didn't you even try it? Right? Like, why right, didn't you even sure. try it? Sure. And part of that goes back. I mean, you know, the one thing I'm curious about, what I would love to do, is I would love to take a Texas A&M fan and sit them down and watch a game <laughs> and see if they recognize Jake Spavadol's play call because. If you remember, that was the first year of Spavadol play calling. They were really yes. frustrated with that. It was all East and West. Yes. And I'm wondering if it was maybe a Holgerson thing or where he kind of shook that out of him, where it was like, you know, I'm going to test. Or did he go to Dykes after after AM? Yes, he was uh, 26. And so, like, I'm wondering if it's a Sonny Dykes thing, maybe, or if it was just something that he had to kind of get a few more years under his belt to kind of get out of. Because he's it's, it's a lot more vertical than even AM was. Um, uh, by far, and so yeah, and so I, it's really interesting to see like his evolution as well, um, and the fact that he was able to see kind of the play calling last year and say that wasn't what we should be doing, and say no, let's get more threatening, let's get more vertical, let's get more athletic, and let's challenge teams this way because we have playmakers, and you know he he's. He notices the talent that they had at wide receiver and says, there's something not happening with these guys. And there's something that I know that these guys can do. Let me go get who he called, you know, when I when I talked to him for the magazine, who he called straight up the best wide receiver coach in the country. Let's go get Jacob Peeler and let's have him get these guys straight and give us the game breakers that we need. So, and, and the other thing that I'll say, I mean, I'm just trying to look back and, and try and remember a little bit that you know that A&M team and obviously that Cal team too like mm-hmm. it, you know I wonder I, I know for Spavito obviously he is a great offensive mind and so he's mm-hmm. going to try to you know find matchups find you know mismatches stuff like that and so I wonder you know with a lot of that like we obviously know that when Kyler Murray played at Texas A&M, like he wasn't launching the ball down the field with much effectiveness. You know, when mm-hmm. when Kyle Allen was the guy at Texas A&M, I mean, maybe maybe that's more of just a sign and lack of faith in their arms. I, I don't know, and you know, and bad, yeah. and, and and obviously at uh, you know, and, and obviously at Texas A&M, like you have these these guys like Speedy Noyle is like the perfect example of a guy mm-hmm. who like okay, maybe if you get him in space, he'll be a better receiver than, you know, obviously having to run routes and sure, and sure. that's something that he struggled to do. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, right? Like whether whether it was a decision, whether it was limitations. They had, I mean, obviously they had, in his first year, they obviously had Evans, uh, which, I mean, yes, anybody yes, anybody yes. would be happy to throw with Mike Evans. But outside of <laughs> yes. him, I, yeah, I don't know if they had the speed or the the overall like depth to be like, all right, now we're just going to, we're going to send two guys, three guys deep as opposed to just Mike Evans. Yeah. And the other thing that I wonder too, is like, I wonder whether, I wonder whether, cause I'm trying to, I mean, I'm honestly blanking a little on, on sort of a Spavel's path too. Cause I think he came through uh, with Dana Holgerson, right? Um, primarily. Yeah. Let me see. I'm well, let me see. Right so he was, he was an, a grad assistant at Oklahoma State. was QB's mm-hmm. coach at West Virginia in 11 and 12. And, and West Virginia in 11 and 12 was obviously doing a lot of East to West because they had Tavon Austin and I uh, mm-hmm. uh, can't remember who the other guy was and, and Gino Smith, all of them. And so, you know, they were going really east to west. I'm curious if if one that of the was still things... that was still Holgerson's coordinator years, right? Yes. Uh, okay. So, well, uh, he was head so... coach in waiting, I believe. 
you're I right. Believe, yes, yes, yes. I believe that yes, was. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. And so, um, but, you know, anyway, all this to say, like, I wonder whether, especially in that 14 and 15 season, if he realizes, okay, you know, we can't go so east to west against mm-hmm. this level of competition, right? This isn't right. going to work the same way as it did for West Virginia, who, you know, was in the Big East one of those years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just wonder if that ends up being a factor is that, you know, okay, we're realizing what we can and can't get away with. Because we did see with Will Greer at West Virginia, they went a lot more vertical because David Sills was a guy who could get open. Gary Jennings was a guy who could get open. Like, they went far more vertical than they did. So, I don't know. I mean, that that might be a conversation we need to have with Spavadol at some point just to to ask him a little about that. But, um... But yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think that this is the, you know, the king of bubble screens that we heard about at Texas <laughs> right. A&M every seemingly every single week. So uh, anyway, um, moving on to number three, uh, UTSA. Oh, actually, one thing that I'll say on Texas State. So they went 38-17 the last time they beat a, an FBS opponent by more than three scores was the year 2014 when they beat Georgia State's who had oh, yet to man. record an FBS win at that point. Yep, I remember that one. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really care how good ULM is. I don't think they're very good, but, like, right. I don't really care because they haven't done it <laughs> against <laughs> anybody, right? Exactly. So, so there's no team in, in college football. I mean, like, they could, they could go and play UTEP, and if they go and beat them by, by 25 points, like, that's still impressive. We haven't seen them do that. So, right. So, um, and, and speaking of which, I am curious to see whether, uh, you know, UTEP versus ULM will obviously be a little bit of a disaster bowl next week, but also maybe a chance for uh, UTEP to get a win. Who knows? Who knows? No. So, moving on to number three, uh, still in the same spot, the UTSA Roadrunners, they did what you expected them to do against SFA, kind of put it away early. Now, mm-hmm. the, the one thing that I will say, the one thing that I will say is that for the second week in a row... UTSA was fantastic and then just stopped playing football. Right. They they went up 17-0 on SFA and, you know, Frank Harris was dealing and and looked really good through the air actually. Obviously mm. looked great on the ground. And then and then they just kind of stopped. Like uh their second half drive chart was I I'm trying to remember, but I mean they it basically went like interception, fumble, punt, punt and then like they they finished with a touchdown. Like it, it was yeah. just I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not concerned by any means, but but here's the deal. For me, mm. UTSA in their first two games has been good enough to beat both the teams that they've played by 30, and then they just sure. Didn't. Yeah, I think I'm trying to bring up the drive chart right now. Um, uh, quick note on SFA. I think I texted you this or I messaged you. I was like, I don't know what they do well, but they just do a lot of stuff. <laughs> they just do a lot of stuff okay, and that's good enough to just like keep them in games. Yeah, and like uh, Trey Self looked good, yeah. and you know they, they 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 just look like a well coached team, and they just look like they know how to play football. But I was like, I can't nail what this team like does. <laughs> right. Well, and and the funny thing about it, right, is that that's kind of what Carthel did at Texas A&M Commerce too, where it's like, yeah. all right, you know, I mean, yes, they've got a great quarterback, you know, who goes and wins the Harlan Hill, but like, it's not like they're just running these crazy schemes or like they're, right. you know, they just have this overwhelming talent. They're just better than you. <laughs> you know, yeah. they just so find ways to UT- win. Yeah, here's UTSA's drive chart. So they go first half was field goal, punt, touchdown, punt, touchdown halftime second half interception fumble punt punt touchdown right final like (laughs) they they were yeah it it gets to a point where they're just let me i'm trying to look at the plays so second half plays three five eight four seven ten like it's just they're just not holding on to the ball and 
Yeah, I don't know. When you compare that to the first half where they run nine plays, seven plays, 15 plays, seven plays, nine plays. I, I don't know. Is that, is that an, uh, I, I, I want to believe it's also partially, obviously SFA making some adjustments, but they did it last week against Texas state. And it's like, yeah, you know, when, when you come out this fired, you know, what happens in the second half to where, you know, is it, is it a case of Texas state and SFA making an adjustment and UTSA failing to make another adjustment or, you know, or do they lose steam or do they lose some type of edge, you know, that they had to start off? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I want to be clear, like <clears throat> for me, this is me saying that I think UTSA is a good team and sure. I expect better from them. Right. Like, I'm, right, right. this is, this is not me saying like, this is cause for alarm. This isn't right. working. This is, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they are, they are two and oh, and we did not think they would be two, maybe one and one, but not, we did not think they would be two and oh. Um, and they, their ceilings have been really good and we're basing them off those ceilings that we've seen, right? First half against Texas state, first half against SFA, where they come out and they look like a dynamite team that wants to run the ball with Frank Harris and sincere McCormick. And this week they added some more passing to it. And that's what we're basing them on. We're basing them off that exciting team that we're seeing in the first half. Yeah. And I mean, what this comes down to for me is like, I see, a very well again we we don't know exactly what college football is right now but in a normal yeah. season i see a very realistic path to a bowl game right if they're sure, able sure. to kind of build on this and which would be huge right like this could be uh, already with a team that was kind of supposed to be rebuilding this could i'm looking be at i'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now and i'm seeing six wins like right. potentially right because you got middle tennessee and yes. okay let's go uab probably lost byu lost army lost la tech toss up probably lost uh, Florida Atlantic lost, but Rice, UTEP, Southern Miss, North Texas, like those are four wins right there. If yeah. you squeak one out against La Tech or, or FAU, like you never know. Like, you know, if you squeak a win out there, like that's six. They're not going to get outclassed. Yeah, they're right, not going to exactly. get outclassed by anybody. Exactly. But again, we need to see that team that we're seeing in the first half. Right. Right. And no, I mean, and so for me, this is just about having expectations now. And, sure. <clears throat> you know, and, and again, this is still a coaching staff in their second game with a team like we don't need to you know we don't need to pretend like it's any sort of indictment or anything but i I do want to credit them for you know in this game it seemed like they wanted to make a concerted effort to throw the ball more and it was it was clear it was like look we we do trust frank harris's arm we do think he can make some of these throws and he i mean he threw for 269 uh cephas had 89 yards receiving like it was just it it was definitely last week was more of a, Hey, let's keep it simple. Let's, you know, let's, it was our first week. Let's see what we can do. And then this week was like, all right, now let's open up the playbook a little bit more. Let's see what these, let's show what these guys can do. Frank Harris played phenomenally. I mean, a hundred over a hundred yards on the ground. Um, sincere McCormick, they didn't have to use him a lot. He just had, I think he had just under a hundred yards rushing. Um, you know, this like like we like we're saying, this is a fun, exciting offense and a defense that was able to do its job against an SFA team that was they were moving the ball and they just kept him out of the end zone. Yeah, yeah. So again, a lot of good things so far in the first two weeks for UTSA and 100%. should have another chance. I mean, look, what it comes down to is Middle Tennessee's looks like a disaster this year. Mm-hmm. I want to see them get beat by three touchdowns, right? I want to see sure. UTSA take it to them. So And keep the foot on the gas. Keep the foot on the gas, 100%. So number two, we got the Texas Longhorns. Texas did nothing wrong, obviously, but uh, <laughs> but the only reason that we're moving them down is because SMU was so crazy good against yeah. North Texas. They're the number one team. Um, North Texas is obviously a phenomenally better team than UTEP, uh, you know, when you're 
kind of comparing victories per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, SMU looked shaky in week one. Um, you know, didn't look like they were fully there in week one, but in week two, they they just have absolutely stepped it up in a big way. Uh, again, I'd say that Shane Bichelle in the second half didn't look quite as good as he did in the first half, but he also didn't need to, right? And I mentioned it earlier, but just the amount of weapons that they have is unbelievable. They've got Ulysses Bentley. They've got TJ McDaniel. Um, you know, Reggie Roberson, we knew <laughs> coming into the year that he was going to be crazy good. Uh, Danny Gray is, is a new guy um, who I believe he's, he was a Juco kid, but I think he came from Dallas Madison. Uh, I mean, just crazy speed. In, in the first half, he made a grab down the sideline cut back up field and ran it for oh, like he, a 51 he like crazy. cut through like three defenders who had great angles on him like yeah. oh my gosh that was, was, that was a really crazy. cool video on on twitter of his dad kind of filming and really? it's uh i forgot i think i forgot what he's saying he's saying like danny boy or something like that he's like <laughs> go take it to the house danny boy or something like that That's and it's awesome. like right when he gets the ball on the sidelines his dad's like take it to the house and like he just <laughs> he just see him cut across and just like absolutely turn on the burners that was that was one of the most impressive like feats of athleticism because that is like oh my goodness <laughs> right well, speed cause- because the thing is, is like I, I understand that everybody's going to look at that and be like, oh, man, North Texas defense, what are you doing? And that happened. That, that yeah. sort of thing happened multiple sure. times over the course of the day. But, like, that was Danny Gray making a play. That's that just speed, man. <laughs> like, you just got to, like, you just got to you just gotta appreciate athleticism. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, so, so again, you got Roberson, you got Gray, Rasheed Rice had 100 yards, Kylan Granson mm-hmm. had a receiving touchdown. Again, man, you just – you just keep going up and down this page and it's just like, holy crap. They, they just have, I mean, they don't have the surefire NFL guys other than Roberson, of course, but like they have a bunch of guys who are going to at minimum make NFL training camps someday. Like they, uh, it right. is just like last year's team again had, had probably bigger stars at this point, but mm-hmm. the numbers that they have this year are just, just stupid. Just absolutely 100%. stupid. 100%. Yeah, and obviously on defense, um, look, I mean, North Texas scored 35, but they were down 34-7, so, like, you know, there's it, it wasn't sort of real production. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I do think that we do need to, to see more from, from SMU's defense. You know, we need to see them against, you know, more consistent competition, which we'll get to see not next week, but, you know, in, in the weeks after that as American play starts. But... You know, look, SMU, I, I said heading into the year, I could see them being potentially close to as good as they were last year. And the indicators so far <laughs> seem to be that they are potentially just as good. Yep, definitely. So credit to SMU, the number one team in our rankings. Uh, look, next week we will add four more teams to the list. Hold on, I'm knocking that, on wood right now because we, we, right? <laughs> we previewed all these games and right. we saw the best right, one, right, right, the potentially right, right. best one get canceled. So <laughs> we will hopefully add four teams. <laughs> yes. So so next week, uh, you know, give you know, do all your Hail Marys, do all your you know, crossing yourself, do all that stuff, knock on all the wood. Uh, but, you know, if, if we do, we should add Baylor, TCU, Texas A&M, and uh, who's the four team that we're at? And Houston to the list. So, um, you know. Look, we. <laughs> it'll be nice to finally get a couple more of the Power Five teams in there, but it, it has been a right. lot of fun for this this first couple of weeks to be like a real group of five showcase. Like it was, it was a lot of fun to not to just kind of watch everybody the turn on. Like country is talking about. I mean, you know, talking about these group of five games. Like the whole nation was watching UTSA Texas State last week. Like that's insane yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> like that's a <laughs> like, lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Like people are talking about. It. I'm like, oh yeah, 
you were watching that too and and i mean even even like obviously with the pac 12 not going on like everybody turned on the utep game and yeah. like and i'll tell you what one, one thing on the utep game they have got to to like just have a field mic it is it was oh, oh my god it was, it was so it, stale yeah i felt like i was watching a lot of like a you know no offense to these high school broadcasters but some of the ones that obviously don't have top grade equipment they're just doing it in like the press box and yeah that's it like it, it was like it was so quiet like there are some times where i had it on uh, where I had it like in the background tab or something and I was doing something else and I was like, did the stream stop? And I was like, Oh no, they're just not talking. Like, <laughs> and so right. there's no crowd mic. So there's just silence when there's not no talking going on. Right, right, right. And like, I, I want to be clear. Like I understand that there's not many people in the stands. Like, you know, sure. it's, it's a quieter experience in general. Right. I know that from, from also even just being at these games, like it is quieter obviously, but like there, right. you can put, even if it's just a mic that's by the hitting, right? So that Something. it sounds like there's a football game going on. You can you can you can buy a long cable and just attach a micro literally a microphone. <laughs> like that's what I've done. I've seen that done in high school games where they just literally get a microphone pointed at the crowd and there's your crowd mic. Like it something can be done because that broadcast is rough. Yeah, but anyway, good week for the teams. Uh, again, I think that other than North Texas, who, who unfortunately got sacrificed at the altar of Sunny Dykes, uh, everybody else looked uh, looked very good. And um, and look, I, I think that I think that so far, I think it's fair to say that you know uh, we haven't seen you know out of that sort of bottom four group, we haven't seen Rice. But I think it's fair to say that all of the others have taken a a pretty noticeable step forward. You know, the state doesn't mm. look as sort of I don't want to call it disastrous, but, you know, we, we kind of thought that this could be potentially a really tough year. And last year was a really tough year where we saw coaches get fired and, and you mm-hmm. know, teams win two and three in one games. Uh, you know, I, I think that, like, UTEP's still probably, you know, at best a bottom five team in the country. But, mm-hmm. I mean, UTSA, Texas State, I, I think that they have very much moved themselves into sort of that middle class. Definitely. I think that's why that's another disappointing thing that, you know, another disappointing point about having not seen Rice and not knowing when they're going to kick off is because they were arguably the team that you kind of expected to be the best of that bottom four bunch um, based off what we saw last season. So, you know, with Texas State and UTSA kind of taking that up, you know, you you would hope that Rice would be that next team. And, you know, if they ever get the chance to take off, like, you know, we'll see because. But yeah, like you said, that bottom portion of the of the state like really is elevating their game. Definitely, definitely. So we love to see it. We're excited to see it. Um, thanks so much to everybody for joining us. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. If you're not a subscriber, become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We've got a lot of premium content coming over the next couple of weeks. And keep an eye on TexasFootball.com. We've got some really fun college stories coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, but as always, I'm Shahan Jiraja. And for Ishmael Johnson, thanks so much for joining us. And we will be back with you guys again on Wednesday.